Hi, my name is Kevin Nichols. Hi, my name is Kingsley Black. Hi, my name's Rebecca Lowe. Hi, my name's Tony Thorpe. My name's Graham Alexander. I'm David Oldfield. Hi, my name's Steve Davis. My name's Carl Emerson. Hey, it's Emerson Boyce here. Hi, my name's Stephen Robinson. My name is Andy Kiwamia. And you're listening to my best... And you are listening to my best... To my best... 11 podcast. And you're listening to my best 11 podcast. Welcome to another episode of My Best 11 Podcast. Today we are joined by a goalkeeper, according to Marv, part, probably part of the goalkeepers' union, he likes to call them. Um, we've got ex-Luton, spent a little bit of time on loan, Torquay, Hartlepool, Wimbledon, Ipswich, Sunderland, and he spent so long at Southampton, he even got a testimonial. Welcome, Kelvin Davis. And hello, Marv, how are you all over in the States? I'm good, Andrew. I mean, I was just thinking there, off the top of my head, and I don't know why Kelvin's going to love this. A, 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 we should think of a song for our guests every time they come on. And I was just thinking, we'll be different. We'll be different. And it, it, maybe I was thinking, Super Kelv, Super Kelv. And he played for Luton Town and his name is Super Kelv. Super Kelv, Super Kelv. And he played for Luton Town and his name is Super Kelv. Pretty good, isn't it? I thought there's that microphone you're singing into there. Yeah. So, yeah. That's it sounds good. good, so my voice carries. Get that on your Instagram. We're missing a bit. No, that, that could be that could be the intro for the um, for the for your podcast when I did a little, little bit of an ad for your episode. Right. I'll put it on my I've never. Hey, listen, no one else has had a song like that, Kel. No one else has had a song. Yeah, You're the first. You've not had big names like me on John Arthur. <laughs> 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 right, Who's, that Who's that, Mick Harford? <laughs> <laughs> nothing in the game. <laughs> uh, right. Awesome. So, those people who don't know how this uh, this works, any new fans or people listening, what we do is we go through the um, go through the team that Kelvin stepped foot on the pitch with. That's the rules. He had to step foot on the pitch. He can name himself um, if he wishes to. Um, and as he goes through, he gives us a few clues and I guess them and Marv throws a hissy fit because he can't ever guess them. Uh, so, <laughs> so, um, you spent a bit of time coaching at Southampton, um, managing um, a little bit. Um, so what formation are you going for? And did the Southampton team you managed for a few games inspire this formation? Probably didn't inspire this formation um, because we, I think we played a 4-3-1 uh, the night I took charge of the team. Um, but I've gone for a, a, a bit of a, a turn on 4-4-2. Uh, so it's a 4-2-2-2. Um, it's what we play now. At, uh, at Southampton with uh, under the leadership of Ralph. Um, and I think the team probably fits into that. Um, basically, it's a 4-4-2, it's a which is quite narrow. Wingers come inside a bit more. You call them 10s instead of uh, wide men. Um, but it's been quite effective for us. Um, and it probably fits the team that I've uh, put together quite nicely. So we'll... Um, I don't know. Can see. Yeah. Yeah. I think get it going. Work well. We'll get going. Goalkeeper then. Okay. Kelvin, Kelvin Davis. <laughs> it's it's not Kelvin Davis. Um, I am uh, certainly haven't got the... I'm certainly humble enough not to uh, not to even put myself in uh, the league of this guy, that's for sure. Um, international goalkeeper. Um, 
I didn't meet him uh, until I left Luton. Um, so it was a it was a goalkeeper that went on. He played for Scotland as well. He ended up moving after a season after I joined this club. Um, he um, McGregor. No, think about the clubs I went to, Marv. I'm going to think Craig Gordon. No, oh, was Sunderland. I wasn't sure dates and stuff. Ah. Yeah, Craig Gordon came to Sunderland after I left, actually. Um, okay. So I'll give you the club. Go on, was Here's the club. Wimbledon. So he moved on. We had a season together and then oh. he moved. He, he went to a, a big London club. Tottenham, didn't he? Yeah. What's up with his name? You must have it. Neil Sullivan. Correct. That's it. Yeah. Just uh, Sally was a, he was a fantastic goalkeeper and for a young goalkeeper to, to move to a Premier League club as it was at the time and she just the end of that sort of crazy gang phase he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and uh, as Marv said or I think you and it said at the beginning about the, the goalkeepers union um, kind of looked after me and it was kind of a, a, a rough school there when you first turned up at, at Wimbledon um, so it was uh, it was handy to have someone who's kind of looking out for you had your back a little bit and uh, it took me a year to actually get in the team it wasn't until we got relegated that I, I made my first appearance with them so um, I learned a lot which I did off of all the goalkeepers actually I worked with um, even from you know, my Luton days with Jürgen Summer and uh, even Dinks Andy Pettersson who I think on one of your podcast you mentioned he quite liked to drink but uh, <laughs> he was um, he was good to me the the, the older goalkeepers um at Luton, uh, kind of you know, good life lessons as well. You know, they um, there was something about an old pro. Uh, you know, I put Marv in that that bracket. Uh, old pros are uh, priceless, I think, in the game. And certainly, <clears throat> throughout my career, when I got to the end of my career, you, you start remembering those things that uh, you learned from you know the old pros, if you like. And uh, it's certainly something that uh, not gone out of the game, but it's different in the game now. I think not too many people take take too much advice from fellow professional that uh, we did back in the day. Um, so, but, so, Gail, sorry, just tell me then, so obviously Wimbledon, were they still doing the initiation when you joined? Did, what, yeah. what was yours? Yeah. What was yours? I, um, I got on to the uh, burning of the clothes, um, kind of new before I turned up. So, you know, they're, they're vastly experienced in burning clothes, these lads. So they, they knew if you turned up in your, your old tracksuit or... You know, the, a dodgy bit of gear that they thought, hmm, he wouldn't mind losing that, you know. So uh, you had to be quite uh, quite smart with your with your clothes. I remember um, picking out kind of a, a semi-old pair of jeans. Um, and back then, Mark, you know, it was like you only had two or three pairs of jeans, didn't you? You didn't have <laughs> 10 pairs of trousers like you do now. But, uh, yeah, I sacrificed a, a pair of jeans and a pair of trainers and my clothes and had to go home in my kit that day. But, uh, yeah, nice so you say the- they burn it. What do you mean they burn it? As in, in the change rooms, they chuck them in a bucket or do they put Train a mannequin and burn it or what? Yeah, no, no. I think uh, I think it, they set set fire to it in the dress room and then it got chucked out the window whilst it's on whilst it's on fire. Um, but that 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 was literally the the least of your problems in in terms of uh, turning up at the training ground every day. Every every day was interesting. That's for sure. Guys used to leave their you know, the roof off the convertibles and it get filled up with the rubbish. It was just ruthless banter. You just, you literally were going in thinking you got to have your wits about you every single day because it was literally anything could happen. 
you, you know what I would have loved if I would have known someone before I actually had my first day there and spoke to them and said, do me a favor, get hold of one of the, the lads gear who's already there and I'd wear that in. I'd wear that in. That would get burned. <laughs> they'd, they'd be onto it, Marv, honestly. I, you think? I don't think that's Marv, no. I don't think that's Marv. Even the manager got done. I mean, these guys were, uh, they were serious about their initiation. So it was, um, yeah, interesting, uh, interesting move. Great experience. Definitely. Definitely. And, and I'm spending a bit of time about with Neil Sullivan because you're a goalie. So um, Sullivan himself, um, what, what made him... Um, kind of a great goalkeeper, and what what makes the difference between a great goalkeeper and a goalkeeper who's gonna, you know, he's gonna make it mid-table Premier League, but he's never gonna do that. What's what's yeah. the difference? I think temperament was was massive for for Sully. He was, um, you know, I've seen him have the worst warm-ups, um, you know, you could possibly have. I'm thinking he's 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 having a beast here. Even in the warm-up, he's dropping everything. He's not making a save. Um, he's kicking the ball off the pitch and you're thinking, and he literally would be like, uh, it'd be right on the night. He'd go in, come out, start the game and then have a worldie. He was, um, his temperament was fantastic. I think, um, I think the difference between, you know, great goalkeepers and good goalkeepers is they just seem to do it more often. And I think that's, um, that's the bottom line. I think the great goalkeepers just seem to be able to do it when it matters more regularly than than the the regular goalkeeper if you like that, from my, that skill or in the head um i think it's a bit of both i mean you know you're born with a gift i think and uh if you you know if you're hard work and you train and you look to 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 make that uh, your gift as 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 good as it can be and and you know nurture and, and improve and then listen and learn and get better and i think in the end, um, you know, that's what ends up on the pitch. You know, it's, it's kind of everything you practice goes on, goes on the pitch at the end of the day. And, you know, when you make that save, it's not by chance, it's not by luck. It's by starting with a gift and, and a bit of hard work and determination, commitment, and uh, those saves are made. Wasn't he in goal for the, the Beckham goal, was he? Yeah, yeah, he was. I think that was the season, um, that was the season before I arrived. Because I... I I played with um, David Beckham on the 21s, England, the season right. before. So the start of that season, and I'd never really heard of him, obviously, you know, never met him. And then went to uh, the Toulon tournament for the, with the under 21s and he played in that. And um, the start of that following season, with, I think it was the opening day of the season, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Opening day. Yeah, he scored that goal. Um, and then I joined the year after that. Did it ever get mentioned in the dressing room? Um not really, not really. I mean, I, I did banter him once about it. He was he was coming at me at, for something. I can't remember what it was, to be honest. And, you know, I, I, I went back and said, well, I've, I've never been beat from the halfway line. And uh, he kind of like, it looked to me, it was kind of early on in, in our relationship and I got away with it. But uh, in actual fact, that it wasn't actually true because I had been beat from the halfway line. But uh, I don't know whether you, you I don't know whether you, you know. Do you remember we played in the Anglo-Italian Cup? So we are talking... Yeah, yeah. Well, was it away or at home? Away game. I mean, we were terrible in it. We lost every game, didn't we? we not, we... not to um, Genoa. Was it Genoa? Yeah, Genoa. And I went up for the corner. Do you remember? Lenny was sending me up for the corner. So I ran up, get there. They clear it. I'm running back. And the lad spanks it from the halfway line straight in. And I was still yeah. running back. 
Oh, there's there's a bit of difference between like that yeah, and the Xavier Alonso one, difference. where yeah, the goalie's running not... back and the goalie being in goal. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Definitely nowhere, nowhere near the same. Nowhere near the same. No. No. And that's what you'll keep telling yourself, Kill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, right. right What's back a right backs? Or left back, yeah, either, for either or. Uh, we'll go right back. We'll go right back. Um, so, um, again, another Scottish international. Um, Reza. I'm surprised you haven't got it already. Reza. <laughs> I told you a good mark. You're all right. You're doing all right. Well, I did, one one. I, I was struggling with <laughs> uh Clues, weren't I? Because I was thinking, well, he joined us from Lou, and so whatever I said, you were gonna, you were gonna jump. Yeah, on. Bro, bro, but again, but I, the, the difference for you is that I'm paying you a compliment here. You, I mean, you've played at some like big Sunderland, Southampton, so it could have been anyone could have been there. Yeah. Could have still played for Scotland, so you know, I mean, it's not yeah. a given. I think with your your career, so yeah. now he. Um... He was. He just improved from the moment he turned up. It was, a, it was a great signing for the club, wasn't it? It really, it really was. It was a time when um, we kind of obviously had the change of manager, change of a little bit of style of play, um, and he fitted in so well in the dressing room. And he's he's a great lad, a, a guy that uh, I wouldn't say I communicate often with, but I've I've spoke to him a couple of times. I spoke to him in the summer and just you know picking his brains a little bit on on management and coaching and. Uh, how he's sort of passed gone and how he's got to where he's got to. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a good lad. And to be honest, and you remember him as well as I do, it, it's a path that I never expected him to, to go down. But it seems like you hear that a lot, don't you? You hear no. you know, it's almost like the guys that you don't expect go on into, into coaching and managing and, and, and it's successful. And he's been, yeah. you know, he's been, he hasn't been successful. He's having a good time. So, um, he, he, listen, he, enjoy, he enjoyed himself, didn't he? He loved enjoying himself. He loved the beer. And then, so like midway, I think, probably like, I don't know, what, five, six years, maybe even more than that, before his career come to an end, he just sort of like changed. And he thought, well, do you know what? I'm getting older now. I'm just going to look after myself, look after my body, um, see out my career, have a good career. And then he probably kicked on and had another bloody 300 games and played for his country and was captain Burnley and got promotion. <laughs> he did, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he um, and I think he, I think when um, when I spoke to him, it, it was always that the physical side for him, you know, started realizing that you know, just a simple week, we call it a pre activation now, don't we? Every, everyone has a, a bit of a pre activation, a stretch, and even post training now, you do a little bit more, but the he kind of got to that age and he started getting a bit of a couple of creaks here and there. And he thought I needed, need to look after myself a bit more. And I think, I mean, I've, I've been down that road myself. I, I was fortunate enough to, to play to us 39. So, you know, then last sort of five years, four years, I think I'm convinced you gain from looking after your body, you know, looking, doing those things that you probably spend 60, 70% of your time, off the grass, making sure that 30% is quality on the grass. And again, that's something that he, he picked up really early and realised that's what he needed to do. Um, and But on the pitch, he was a, a bit of a hothead as well, which I quite yeah. like. player. You know, he, he didn't mind. Uh, I think I think Lenny, I think Lenny, uh, I think he um, described one of his challenges as a ski jump. Do you remember? I can't remember who he was against. He... <laughs> He, he said, "You know, you, you need to cut down, cut out your ski jump tackles, or something like that." And I remember having a, you know, being a young lad, having my shoulders starting to go and having a bit of a snigger, but because I just had the image, and that's what he looked like. He looked like he literally <laughs> took off and went straight through the guy. But uh, <laughs> no, he, 
fantastic player and a guy that um, obviously you would make my team. What, what was that? I mean, I'm not going to... Andrew's fine because Andrew's a school, school teacher. What was that word you just used there? Pre-wrap? Pre what, what, what do you call it nowadays? I don't know. I haven't even got a clue. Pre-wrap is that song you were singing before we started. That's a pre-wrap. No, uh, I'm being serious. What was that word you just used? Reactivation, was it? Yeah, pre-activation. So it's like a... Never heard of that. Never heard of it. I'm not going to even pretend, because I'm honest. I've never heard of that word, Gail. I'm being dead serious. Never heard of it. uh, It's basically a warm-up before your warm-up. So... Yeah, so it's a warm-up then. Yeah, well, pre-warm-up, if you want. That's a word word I know, warm-up. The only warm-up you knew was two laps of the pitch, and the first lap was you were nearly walking. On the second lap, you pick up and moaned because you had to do a second lap. That's true. That is true. I'll tell you what, if, if Mike Newell hears this, pre-activation, I know, I know. he'll love it. He'll love it. Uh, I, think, I, think okay, I, haven't, I haven't listened to his cast yet, but I will do. You've got to listen to that one. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he loves all this. He loves all this technical language. <laughs> I like the, uh, you know, I'm doing a bit of core. Uh, you're doing sit-ups, mate. You're doing sit-ups. That's what you're doing. <laughs> Right, left back. Left back. Okay. Um, not. I wasn't. Uh, I don't. I don't want to put anyone down. Whoever listens, I'm sure. No, oh, stop pitting on sitting on the fence. Just hey, listen. Oh, just cane them. Because kind of right backs. Um, I had loads. I had. I had some real good players. Do you know what I mean, real good players. Um, and good, good friends as well. Like a guy Danny Butterfield, I played with. Got promoted with at, uh, at Southampton. Uh, Fabian Wilnis at Ipswich, I played with, was a yeah. fantastic fullback. Um, there's, it seems like the fullback, the right side has been all right. Left back, I've gone for. Um, I had to look this up. I actually ended up playing sixty games, sixty games with him because I, I did feel a little bit like uh, when you're picking your team. I'm a bit more on the emotional side, guys that I really got connected with and got on well with. Um, put him in this bracket, but he's too good to leave out. And I played 60 games with him, so I kind of thought that's enough. Um, so he's a, he's a full England international. Yep. Um, Andrew has got it already. I think so. Full England international. Southampton. Played at Southampton with him. Um, I, think, did he, I think he played for Southampton, the guy. Yeah, he did. Did he, play, did, he, did he also play for Chelsea? No. Oh, no. Ooh. You're thinking... You're going down... Yeah, that's what, that's where yeah. I was going. <laughs> Bridgie was before me. Yeah, Bridgie, Bridgie was before me. Um, oh, OK. Oh, OK. He, he, uh, he was where else did he go to? Where else did he play for then, Gelf? Or did he play for anyone else? He, he was, came through our academy um, and went on and has had so far... We sold him for... Oh! Gareth Bale? He's Welsh, isn't he? He is Welsh and he, he didn't make my team. Gareth, I didn't play. I've played a few times in, but not uh, not much. Um, left back though, he's, he's, he's had half decent career, isn't he? I suppose. Yeah, I was going to say. I thought you were underplaying his yeah. career. So three Champions <laughs> League medals, hundred million pound transfer. Yeah, he did all right, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, it's not him. Left back at Southampton. No. Um, I, go on. No, um, go on. Come, he's go been on. named after the Odrin. Oh, come on, Andrew. You got people screaming at you now. Come on, Luke Shaw. Yeah, we sold Manchester United for thirty-two million pound. I think. Isn't that yeah. where he I forgot he started there. That's what yeah. actually I forgot. Charlie forgot he started Southampton. He tweeted something the other day. I think he forgot he started there as well after we got <laughs> done there a couple of weeks ago. So he's uh, he's not in my good books to be honest. But uh, he makes my team. So um, that's sure. him. Powerful player, top 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 player. 
um, probably in, if I'm really um, critical, I would say he's actually underachieved to date. There's a lot more. He's got a lot more in the tank, and he hasn't he hasn't put it all on the pitch yet, in my opinion. Um, you sound like Jose Mourinho because Jose Mourinho. Oh, no, I was say what. What so? What's he, what in your in what you know of him then, Kelv? What do you think is his biggest asset? What was he? What, what was you expecting for him to? Was it? I I when when you talk about Gareth Bale and you talk about mm. the next Gareth Bale, and I, I don't like to compare players. Oh, with I players. know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible. But I would put him in the bracket of being capable of doing everything that he can do on the pitch. He's so powerful. He's so quick. Right. He can drive with the ball. Can take players on. Um, I expected more goals from him and because he's got a wand of a left foot. He gets, he's got the the capacity to get up and down the pitch and arrive in those areas of the pitch where you know wingers arrive. And he's got the energy to recover and get back as well. He's he really is a, a, a top player. But like I say, that that's obviously harsh criticism. On no, him. I know. I do think um, capacity to do more than what he's done. So, and I still think it's going to come. To be honest. How old is he? Is he that? Is he that old? How old is he? I don't know. Well, Twenty-five now. Yeah, I've got to mention a couple of uh, my mates Mom. who played with that, you know, at Luton, at Luton, sorry, not at Luton. I know there wasn't a left back at Luton that uh, I played with. You played more centre half anyway, Marv, didn't you? Than left back. Yeah, but what I was going to say, but did you not play? Well, no, you didn't. He's got Matty Taylor. I I didn't know. I I he was two years younger than me. I think. I think I just did. Missed you hear it. his podcast about what you what you what you did, what you should do. No, go on. No, you should listen to his podcast because he goes. My um, Kel's dad's obviously a big Saints fan. He's an avid listener of your your podcast. Right. So he did message me about it, but I've actually slipped my mind. I forgot what it was. So he said, like at the time, you were um, the first team goalkeeper, and you, you know the dressing room down the bottom where the kids used to get changed and that. Yeah, at the bottom of well, the yeah. right, on the left hand side. On the, but on, the, on the left-hand side, a little small changing room. Past oh, the, top of the tunnel, yeah. He said, he goes, you're going up the training ground, up early doors, and so you've just come bowling down, and you've opened the door, you've gone, are any of you, are any of you in here left-footed? And he's gone, yeah, me. So like, right, come on, you come with me up to the training ground. I need a left-footer to put some balls into the box or, or take some shots at me, he said. So he said, you took him up. And he had to go and tell, I think, uh, Paul Lowe, uh, I've got to go out with Kelvin. He's told me that like, he needs a left footer. And Lowe has gone, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a first teamer. Just do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. So he's gone up to the training ground and he's like hitting shots, like at you, left footed shots for whatever reason. He said, you, got, you needed a left footer. And then you've put, like he said, right, put some crosses in for me now. Left footer, putting the balls in the box. And he said, um, this is the reason why he said he got into the first team when he did, because when like, Lenny's gone. Oh, Lenny's asked about someone. Is there any like? And you've gone. Yeah, get him, Matty Taylor. He's he's decent. Him, and this is what this is what Matty said in the podcast about you, saying that it was uh, you reckon it was because of the he experienced working with you. I, um, I'd love to say I remember that, but uh, I don't. To be honest, it's not. It wasn't unusual in that. Um, no. I probably I carried on doing like throughout my clubs. You know, I, I enjoyed. Um, I think. Obviously, a goalkeeping position is so specialised that the, the time you get to actually work on it was normally afternoons or before training. And I, even when I was at Sun, uh, Southampton, I should say, in my later years, I would um, train with the youth team on a Thursday afternoon because you could just focus on yourself. You're not, there's no other coaches around. You're just there just to practice what you want to practice. And other lads crossing and shooting and 
that kind of thing because I just felt that it, it's it's something you can't recreate from a goalkeeping coach. They don't hit the balls the same. You don't cross. Practice your techniques and everything else, but you don't get the the same outcome as you would do with an outfield striking balls and crossing. Balls. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that. I do I have got a vivid memory of Matty Taylor putting a couple past me in training and me thinking, hmm, mm, he's got a decent left mm-hmm. foot. And that was over at the rugby club. Uh, not the rugby club. That was at Electrolux. Uh, no. Electrolux. Or the rugby club, wasn't it? Rugby club, wasn't it? I would have thought. The rugby club. But, but Kel, you just presented something really interesting there. What but what age was you when you got into the first team? Because you just, I think you were quite young, wasn't you? Uh, yeah, I made my debut. Me and Macca, uh, Paul McLaren, we made our debut together on the same day, um, which was quite poetic, actually, because we, we, live, we live with each other, as you, you obviously know, yeah. but we... We lived with each other for four years in in Biggs and uh, ended up, you know, making our debut at the same time, um, which was quite, uh, you know, we obviously going up, stay with each other, room you room with each other the night before, and you go to bed, you're a bit nervous, and you never didn't know whether you're starting or not. You were just travelling, and it was Stoke Stoke away at the um, at the Victoria Ground. Um, I think we ended up, well, no, we ended up drawing two two in, in that that day, and. Um, I can remember the team meeting. I think I think Jurgen Jurgen for whatever reason wasn't in the meeting or had left the room. And uh, Pleaty said, uh, "Oh, where, where's Jurgen?" He said, "Oh, someone said he's just in the toilet, Gaffer, <laughs> or oh, Boss. No one called him Gaffer. He's just in the toilet, Boss." And um, he went, "Well, that's okay, uh, Kelvin. You're starting today, and if you need to go to the toilet now, you can." <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was the uh, that that was how I found out. That was the. Uh, Morning of the game, you know, when when he when he did the team. What, so, what age was you? No, seventeen. Seventeen. 17. Yeah. Wow. So, I know this is what I'm saying for uh, for especially in a special. Well, I call it a specialised position. Seventeen years old, right? Playing in a, a game, it's quite it's quite daunting. I feel anyway. Do you mean even as a, a defender, you put it in the back? At least you still, if you make a rick, I've got a goalkeeper behind me to like get me out of the shit, so to so to speak. But was he nervous? Was he really? Or what, how did you feel? No, I've, I've never really. Um, obviously, I've sort of been asked to come throughout my career, but I never really felt nerves. I, I, I felt something, but I can't describe it as nerves. It, I, it wasn't really excitement. It, it was almost I don't know, with a trepidation, and I don't know if it means anything different to nerves. Um, there were certainly different habits you had match day, which you know. You, you're down, you're playing a game of football, so you know that there's something going on in your mind. Um, but it was more about, um, I kind of felt that if I hadn't, I was big in them days, I felt if I hadn't prepared right, and I didn't feel like I was going to play very well. So I think that that's kind of why I, I was really into my training and making sure that everything was as right as be for that reason. Um, but I, don't, I don't recall feeling nervous. I, I remember really, really enjoying the game. Um, but I made a couple of early saves in the game. Um, and I, I remember thinking I was kicking the ball well. You know, although we, I think we went one or two down in the game, I still didn't feel that, you know, I'd made a mistake and that, that the eyes were on me. Um, so I, I kind of got through it, but had that bit of experience at Torquay. I'd been out on London at Torquay as well uh, early on in that season. Um, and that, I would say I was probably more nervous there, you know, driving down to Torquay as a 17-year-old, you know, going in and, and playing a couple of games. I played a, a game against Wimbledon, coincidentally, which was where the connection first started. We played them in the, 
from the Coca-Cola Cup. And Sam, the man who was a Wimbledon owner back then, he, he remember watching that game and remember me and basically followed my career for a bit after that. And that's how that move ended up coming off. Obviously, Mick Harper was there at the time as well. So Mick used to come down and watch a lot of the Luton games. So he was obviously a big part of that move eventually going through. But no, it was uh, everyone makes their debut and uh, it was um, a very memorable, memorable day. Excellent. 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 Moving on to centre backs. Centre backs. Okay. Um, Mark's ears always pick up at this moment. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to be in ears. I can't be nowhere near, near, near ears. Please, come on. <laughs> it, was, it was your Virgil Van Dyke, Marv. I, I, I didn't know that, uh, uh, Virg, Virgil didn't make my team, to be honest. But that was, um, again, that background that fact that, you know, although I shared a dressing room with, with Virgil, fantastic unbelievably gifted player. Um, but that didn't uh, surprise uh, you then? The, 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 the moves to Celtic and that and Liverpool haven't surprised you about that then? No? no, no, because even when he came to Southampton, and it, it, it tells you himself, he wasn't physically in top, top condition. Um, he probably, you know, you get levels, Marv, you know, where you become more serious and more serious, I think, as... As you improve on the pitch, and then you get a bit of expectation, and then someone else offers you a bit more advice on how you can improve, and then you take it on. And if you look at him now physically, he's a totally different looking, he's a specimen compared to what he was at Celtic, compared to what he was at Southampton. We kind of got him the first stage of him looking at himself and how he physically improve, but everything else he has got everything, just like yourself. <laughs> so centre backs, who you gone for? Yeah, we have gone for uh, an international player. So he is again an international, played for Southampton with me. Um, he, you think, Marv? You, uh, you, England, England international? No, no. Ooh. I think if I give you the country, uh, be no, if I say Scandinavian. I won't get it. I know who you're on about. I know who you're on about. I don't. I, I won't get it. I know he, I, Andrew might get it because he's good at this scandal. I know. Have, have I a, don't know. Have a drink, Marv. Then I'll, I'll talk to Andrew. Andrew, come back on. I'm having a drink. So we've got, got uh, international uh, centre back who yeah. uh, played his entire Premier League career at Southampton. He has Klaus Lundqvist. Got it. You didn't say it properly, Marv, but I'll give it you anyway because you, you, okay. you kind of knew what you were trying to say. But it was, yeah, Klaus, Klaus Lundervan. Yeah. Marv ahead of his time. By the time, to be fair, by the time I played with him, he was um, at the end of his career. Um, but uh, a centre-back that, um, you know, if, if, the, if he was still fit now, if he came through now, he would still be at the top of his game. Absolutely brilliant footballer, great on the ball. Uh, fantastic char- character, you know, a, a centre-half that, you know, Marv, when goals go in and instantly you get that kind of eye contact with the goalkeeper and the centre-half and it's almost like you want to point the finger but you know that your teammate, you don't really do it, but some do, you know what I mean? Some yeah. do. It never, ever, ever, you know, it was always head down, get the ball out of the net, let's crack on, we get the next goal, let's go again. He had a fantastic appetite for the game. Um, and uh, he was my captain at, at Southampton when I arrived. And again, one of these guys that I learned a lot from, from, from being a captain. He, um, you know, I really learned a, a, a lot of ways to behave in the dressing room, you know, how he was with the young players. Um, just a, 
an all-round top man. And, uh, you know what they're like, Marv, when you meet those guys in the dressing room, you just know, you just instantly know that you connect with them and you, you like the way they behave, you like the way they are. And he, he makes my team not just because of his ability, but the way he kept in the dressing room. Excellent. Oh, fantastic. And next to Klaus is... Yeah, who's alongside him? Uh, next to Klaus. Okay. We've got, I've got a few names because I think, um, you know, when I talk about professionals um, and early parts of my career, and I, I was, you know, my first centre-half was Trevor Peake. So, you know, when you, when you come into the team with Peakey, you know, it, he just expected a lot from you. I mean, I, I can remember um, times when you know, he gave me a bollocking for no reason. And I was, you know, I was like, what have I done? What have I done? You know, um, but it, it was always that kind of, um, sort of tough love. It was always kind of, um, he kind of thought you, if you were just getting a little bit cocky, he wanted to be on you before you, you kind of made a mistake. And he was, he was genuinely trying to, trying to help you. Keep you on your toes, keep you on your toes, basically. Yeah, yeah. And he was, um, he was brilliant. And uh, obviously, I, I played with uh, yourself as well, Marv, which, um, again, you know, you've seen, you know, he's, the guy's infectious, isn't he? You can't, you can't be around Marv without smiling. And that's, but that's, um, again, you know, we talk about dressing rooms and characters and having, I, I say, about the right people. And that, you know, Marv, you are definitely one of those in the dressing room, but you haven't made the team, Marv. When we first thought of the idea, I knew I would probably be minimal on many people's teams, if at all, right? But again, like you've just said, I think I'm going to pay myself a compliment. I, I'm not I'm not like that. I mean, I'm not, I mean, if you put me in your team... Well, I can remember times, I can remember times in games. And I, I don't remember, my memory's not fantastic anyway. I have to research stuff to remember after names. But, you know, I remember, certainly remember a lot of actions and things in my head that just stick in my head. And there was a, there was a moment in a game um, where you passed the ball back to me on a bit of a tight angle and I've just put my foot through it and you wanted to play. And you said, Kelv, well, you called me Jelly. You went, Jelly, just play it back to me. And it was almost like I, I was thinking, well, you'd never want that ball back there in that in that space. But again, it was your way of saying, stay calm. You know, the, what's the worst that can happen? You're going to give it to me and I'll kick it up the pitch or I'll kick it out. And it was, you know, lots and lots of those small little actions from experienced pros that, that make you know, young pros or young players better. And you were certainly one of them. Um, anyway, I've got to give some clues, don't I? Um, yeah. I have got a bit of a list of centre halves, so I won't, I won't go through them. But um, the how can I how can I disguise this one without you jumping? Was he an international? No, no. I'm going to chuck, no. I'm going to chuck a name straight in. Correct, Pete Davis. Pete oh, Davis. you don't jump in it, uh, Mum. You're two one up. You're flying tonight. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. <laughs> Andrew, do not wait. See, time waits for no man. What are you doing? Just get in there. Just... For our listeners, I'm trying to make it longer for our okay. listeners. Yeah, but I've been on a drought for a long time. As a partnership, Steve Davison and uh, Klaus probably wouldn't work because obviously they're both right-footed and, and neither one of them, I don't think, ever played on the left side. But if you're talking two centre-halves, I, uh, I couldn't leave Steve out. And again, you know, for those reasons of, of um, you know, he was... Top man, he was a fantastic player for us at the time, and he was always a level above. Um, so the fact he went on and had a, a great career, 
Um, and, and you know, I've heard people say, you know, loads of times to talk about pace. You know, I, I've played with players in the Premier League that aren't as good as Steve Davis at centre half. So it, I think it was just, you know, the football gods just, just he just never got there. You know, and 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 that happens. And you know, we've spoke about many players that don't get in that league for whatever reason. You know, sliding doors, whatever it is. Um, but but Steve, you know, was a was certainly one that I, I believe should have, you know, at least graced the Premier League at some point. But also because your career was, you were a young lad when you played with Steve, whereas Steve was probably kind of halfway through his career as well. So do you think if the pre, if the Premier League, if it had been kind of 10 years younger, your age, and the same type of player he may have made in the Premier League, because then it's, the, the Premier League's definitely changed from kind of the, the late 90s to towards the end of your career in the kind of 2010s, early 2010s. He may have yeah. made it, because it's it, the, the the demand of a centre back's change. Yeah, no, I I think I, I just simply think that he was good enough to play in the Premier League. I, even then, um, you know, I I'm still there must have been managers around that he was on a list somewhere. Yeah, and he just never he just never happened for whatever reason. But ability wise, it, it it was definitely there. you know if he had been at Burnley when they were and they'd have been promoted. Like many players do, that you know, you get promoted and end up, you know, like we did with many of our young players, like Luke Shaw. You know, maybe, maybe Man United wouldn't have bought him if we were in the Championship. Kind of, you get promoted with a club, you stay in, you do well, you catch their eye, and and then you move on. Many examples, my promotions with with Southampton, we've ended up in the Premier League, where lads have gone from being very good Championship players to some very good young Premier League players, and then the big clubs you know, come along. And then, unfortunately for for Bear, he never had a, had a promotion. These things, oh, these things happen. These things happen. Fantastic. So what we can do is pause there, and then when we come back, we will hear from the rest of Kelvin Davis's My Best Eleven. Thank you for listening to My Best Eleven Pod. We are currently accepting applications for advertisement and sponsorships. You can reach us at My Best Eleven Pod or mybestlivingpod at gmail.com. Thank you. Great. So we're back for part two of Kelvin Davis, My Best Eleven. So far, we've heard from Kelvin. He's picked Neil Sullivan, Graham Alexander, Luke Shaw, Klaus Lundigbaum, and Steve Davis. And Kelvin's playing a 4 2 2 2 2 2 2 2 2 like um, Ralph Hassenhutl. So 18 players. <laughs> So, um, wherever you want to go, I assume they're holding midfielders next to two, are yeah. they? Is that what they're yeah. for? Two, two defensive-minded, which is probably a bit harsh on them. They're, they're definitely not uh, defensive-minded players, but they are um, top, top players, Distrib- that's for sure. Distributors and that type of thing. So, wherever you like, play with, start with sure. one you like. Um, okay. Uh, first guess. So, we got another international player. Lad who signed with us at Southampton the year we got promoted to the Premier League, so that would have been 2013. Um, came from Rangers, not uh, not a player of massive stature. No, um, I'll give you a couple of his clubs if you want. He played oh, at uh, he played at Fulham. He played at Aston yeah, Villa. Um, Davis. Yes, Marv. Is it Davis? Yes, Davis. Yes. <laughs> Stephen Davis, yeah. Stephen Davis. He, I mean, uh, I'm oh, you're on fire, Marv. You, you gave it all that. I'm no good at this. I, I won't tell him when I text you the team before we started. But uh, no, <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't. But no, but um, funny enough, 
go on, carry on. But someone spoke really highly about Stephen Davis, saying what a player he is. I think it was Steve Robinson, was it? Was he Irish? Is he Irish? Is he Irish? Northern Irish, yeah. Yeah, I think Robbo, yeah, spoke about him. He was in his team. He's made 125 appearances That's it. for his club. Um, yeah. He's still going strong. Um, he he came to us from Rangers, and obviously he's gone back to Rangers. Um, but you know, you know the sort of players, Marv, that you watch on TV and you think, yeah, he's decent enough. And, you know, you don't, you know, I'm a believer, all, all Premier League players are great players, aren't they? But yeah. you... you, you, you you see the different things from like a great midfielder to what you would perceive to be an average midfielder. And I'd put Davo in that where I'd be thinking, yeah, he's, he's decent. He's, you know, he can handle the ball well and, you know, he he's, doesn't mind a tackle and, you know, doesn't lose the ball. Good passer, keeps the game ticking over. It wasn't until you, you're there and you're training with him, you're playing with him and you see him day to day and then you actually see the quality and you start thinking, you come away from a session or you come away from a game, you think, you give the ball away once. Every pass, every pass was the right weight, you know, the, on the right foot, the right side. He, he was, um, he really is a fantastic player and he's had a, and so I couldn't, couldn't not put him in. I mean, I've, I've got a good list of, in my opinion, a good list of midfielders. Just with his, the way that he uses the ball so well. I mean, I, I spent time with Jim McGilton at, um, and he, again, fiery, fiery Northern Ireland guy, nor Northern Irish guy who, who certainly had a lot of character on, on the pitch. And a, again, a guy I learned a lot from from a captaincy point of view. Um, I've had Victor Wanyama, who's a beast on the pitch, you know, absolute beast. But this guy kind of, um, I think, again, probably because of the relationship we've got, get them from the thing. Um, just, just ahead of Paul McLaren because obviously uh, I room with Macca for four years, so I can't, I can't not say it was tight. But he, uh, he just, just picked him. He's, uh, he's got a little bit more ball than Macca. Macca, Macca won't be happy with that. Well, he's gonna have to part of it, Marv, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it's on record now. So <laughs> moving, moving across the other side to well, next to Steve Davis. Okay, so again, this this came down to um, a lad I played with at Southampton. Uh, we signed him as a 17-year-old, um, so a, a, an international player. Um, he played for a, his country at under-17s, and it was a bit of a, a coup for us. Um, Walcott? No, no, I didn't catch Walcott till... Uh, well, oh. so I didn't play him now, he's just come back, hasn't he? But, um, Romeo? No. Or he's, uh, he's a strong boy, but um, no, he, he, he does very well for us at the moment. Um, let me give you another clue. So he's um, he's French, international. Um, again, came through, played over 200 games with him uh, through League One, through the Championship, into the Premier League. And I put him in that category of players that just progressed with us through the leagues. As the standard went higher, he got higher. Um, and the level... At the time, he, 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 he kind of was outperforming us as a club and uh, it was Man United that came and bought him. Andrew? I'm in His club that he came from in... Um, he went from us. He came from Schalzburg right. to Southampton. Southampton to Man United. Man United to Everton. And then he's oh, returned yeah. back to his home country. I think he's playing in... But again, a great lad. 
right footed midfielder. He was um, I'm struggling I with this. This should be so easy. No, 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 no. no. Oh, I can't think of his name. I know who it it's is now. German, it's more of a German name, actually. It sounds German. I don't know whether it is or not. Um, I ain't going to get it. I think it's fate. No, my mind is totally blank. I don't know. Maybe it's too early in the morning. Go on. Go on. I'm... Morgan Schneider. Oh, damn it. Oh. Yeah. He, um, no, it, it's kind of one of them experiences as a, as I was, I was a bit more experienced in terms of I probably was, uh, what age would I have been? I'd have been early 30s when he signed. So, you, you, you know, I'd put myself in that kind of experienced pro category that I spoke about earlier. And, you know, Morgan came in, um, played a lot of games and he was quite lightweight, didn't really like a tackle. Um, was a, almost a stereotypical foreign player, not quite like Boncho Genchev, uh, Marv, but uh, <laughs> he, he he didn't particularly like a tackle, and he got told. You know, it, it was certainly one of my couple of those Trevor Me- Trevor Peak moments where uh, you know I, I told him he needed to tackle, and um, but he just seemed to improve. He seemed to sort of grow. And as he matured as a lad, he played games. Again, the timing of being at a club that was kind of moving up, his career came along with it. And it was, uh, it's a, to be honest, a real great success story for, for him and the club and how so we ended up in the, in the Premier League. You know, we taught, him, we taught him how to drink as well. You know, he, he wasn't much of a drinker when he first came to, to England. So he, uh, in the end, we, we managed to teach him how to drink pints instead of red wine but he um on the pitch was he had everything he, he by the time he left and went to man united he was a he was a much rounded footballer and, and could definitely play and handle it he uh he nips in there in front of macca as well sorry it's nice. I, just, I, I, I i just couldn't think of his name i knew because like, i think i could see him and like he, he was a good very good player very very good player. um and we mean boncho boncho went to the world cup i love you Marv, I remember his watch. I was in awe of his watch. He had a World Cup watch. Who, who, who gets a World Cup watch? And he had a he had a VW Golf convertible with an electric roof. And he could what? put the roof down at five miles an hour. It was amazing. Everybody <laughs> wanted to live to the training round with him. Boncho Genshi. There's a name from the plot from the past. Well, I, lo- I love Luton. He probably came out and the, the car was on bricks. <laughs> yeah. Possibly, possibly. Oh, I said that is a real name for the past. So moving up to more the the, the wingers that tuck in. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah we we describe them two ten, but basically they're they're left and right midfielders that you know in our system play a bit narrow. But um, yep. you know, I've, I've got uh, I've got Sean Dyche ringing in my ears. You know, if I start talking about the four two two two, we'd be we've been doing that for years. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Um, I would never. I would never question a, a man of his experience. Um, would start playing lookalike he's instead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, he's so these these two tens or, or wingers that, that play inside. Um, again, both of them. Um, I suppose I shouldn't say both. I'll give you too many clues. But both of them are from Southampton. Um, and I'll start with the left because I'll probably play him on the left again. Uh, an England international. A guy that came through the academy, um, the Ox. I'd play him on the right. So I'll oh, give you that. I guess the wrong side. All right, I'll give we'll go that. with the right hand side, yeah. and I'll guess yeah. the right hand side correctly. He, he came through the academy as well. Probably more of a pure breed than than the guy that I was referring to on the left side. But he, switch, uh, did I guess the right hand side one then instead? Yeah, 
Yeah. Do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the ox? Seems yeah, like go on the then. Go, yeah, carry on with. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was a, a kid, kid. He was sixteen, really. If he was, I think he might have even been sixteen. Um, I don't think he was as young as Theo, but he didn't even break any records. But you know, when a kid comes in the dressing room, Marv, and the lads instantly take to him. He's a young lad, smile on his face with great talent. But you you know, you know, it's not just the talent that, that gets in there, it's the enthusiasm, it's the way that he played the game. He always smiling, really enjoyed football. You could see that, you could feel that. And it sailed as well that he had great respect for the dressing room, the lads that was in there. And I don't, I don't know whether I put that down, I'm just thinking about it now, but his dad played football as well. So it, yeah. I don't know whether it was one of them where you know, he'd learned a bit through a bit of intuition, maybe from, from his dad and been in the dressing room before, but he knew how to handle that dressing room really early on and had a lot of respect for the lads that were in there and you and you felt it and, and straight away you wanted the guys to uh, protect him. He came on a on a pre-season tour when we was in League One and uh, it was Alan Pardew and Pards did an end of uh, an end of tour, the player of the player of the tour basically and who, yeah. who'd had the best pre-season that week. And it was a bit of a throwback. We hadn't had it. It was the sort of thing you did probably 10 years before. But you know, to be fair to Pard, he had, a bit, he had a bit of that in him. He, he, he didn't mind a bit of kind of the old school mentality. We Everyone, almost to a man, all voted for, for Chamber. And, really? Uh, yeah, and it was almost like it, it, it just gave him a boost of confidence and, and a kickstart. And uh, he went on and had a fantastic season. Um, and obviously ended up signing for... For Arsenal, for I think like it was ten or eleven million pound then, which was uh, obviously a lot of money for for a young kid. Um, and he's gone on and, and playing for some massive, a massive club and doing really well. But uh, ultimately, a, a real grounded young man as well. Even when I see him now, and we've played him, really, you know, calm, humble, still enjoys his football. Just seems to be doing it right, you know. He's been, and he's been so unlucky with injuries as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's picked up a, a couple, but you know, I think again, in kind of my experience now, the the quick, powerful players, you know, of his kind of body makeup, they do seem to suffer with that. You do seem to get you know, a few of those knockbacks that um, it's almost like they're they're almost too quick for themselves. That the the legs moving faster than they're supposed to. You know, it's um, when you know you're such a quick player, so. Technically gifted left and right foot as well. Um, and so, almost so game that he probably puts himself in positions where he, he shouldn't and, and finds himself getting injured on the, on the back of it. But uh, Where would you say his best position is? Because, I mean, for England and for Liverpool, I know Klopp plays him kind of in the middle, in, the, in those three in the middle. But where always, do you think his best position yeah, Personally, you know, he did really well for us wide. And that's what I say in, in this system. And, and I know, you know, I've, Taking the mick a little bit with the four-two-two, but where he would play inside, it would probably suit him because he wants to play inside. Um, but from a tactical point of view, he will find himself in wide areas as well. Um, and I think you know, Chambo in a wide area against any defender in the world, I'd back him. And he's also clever enough to be able to play inside the pitch and receive the ball and turn and drive forward and um, those tight spaces that you, you you find yourself in in the Premier League handles the ball so well. I think that that that'd be a great position for him. So he, he, for me, that's where he would play. But uh, I don't I don't pick Klopp's formation. So. <laughs> <laughs> so move back across to the left. Let's go back to the left then. So um, again, uh, he, 
I think we actually bought him as a kid. So he's, um, when he say he came through the academy, I think he joined us at 12 or 15, something like that. Um, again, a lad that um, made his debut when I was in the team um, and gone on and had a fantastic career, played for England. Um, Lilana? Yeah, Adam Lilana. Marv, you're absolutely smoking it, mate, aren't you? You are, smashing it. Yeah, is, um, I, would, I would put Adam as probably the, the best player I ever played with in my career. I just, really? uh, yeah, yeah, he, um, again, you know, when we spoke about Steve Davis earlier about pace, that everybody was worried about his pace. You know, it was another player that said, said made this comment. And he, he's, everybody worries about what he hasn't got and they're forgetting about what he has got. And that, that stuck with me because with, with that, he could literally turn players inside out. And it was like the ball was stuck to his feet. And in training, you know, I played with a guy called Paul Watton, who um, we signed from Plymouth. Um, and Watts, he's a, he's a fantastic guy. He was a fantastic player. And he absolutely gave every single bit of him on the pitch. He, didn't, he left everything on the pitch. And he left everything on the training round as well. And he tried to kick the shit out of Adam every training session because it just wound him up so much. He couldn't. He couldn't handle the fact if we had five or five sides, it'd be like the stick adds with with Watts. Otherwise, he's he's going to kick him. He literally his head would pop because he couldn't get near him. <laughs> he was that he was that good. He and he, you know, we down at Brighton and again a few injuries, um, which is which is halted his career. You know, really, and I think he probably, you know, he ended up winning a title at, at Liverpool. Um, and again, you know, I think, I think his efforts and probably as a character, what he gives you in the dressing room, absolute winner, wants to win everything. So to go to Liverpool, I think he may not have lasted to the end of the season. I think they kept him there. My, only my opinion. I think they kept him there because of his character, and I think he um, he ended up getting a, a championship winning medal. Because because of his character as much as his playing ability. Yeah, all that hard work to pay off for something. Yeah, yeah. And his commitment. You're the best the best player you've played with, you say then? You've mentioned it, yeah. yeah? Definitely. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always loved I've always liked him. I mean, like you said, I mean the ball does look like it's stuck to his foot sometimes. I mean, even before he went to Liverpool, some of the goals he scored for you guys was like unreal. It really was. Yeah. I mean, he scored, um, he scored 20 goals in our promotion year in the championship. Um, and the championship, field. Yeah, yeah. He kind of played from the left side and coming in. Um, he, he, the championship was too easy for him. That, that, you know, that was the bottom line. And, and it was, again, that journey, the age of just arriving in the Premier League and believing in himself and maturing physically that, um, you know, he, we went into the into the into the Premier League as a team of with such potential with with young players um, that were just all at the right age, all arriving at the right time. Um, the recruitment that had been added was really top draw. We signed some really good players, and the mix, the dressing room, the chemistry, and everything that went together, we we just kicked on straight away. It was um, you know it wasn't. Uh, I think we surprised ourselves and it was because of the people like, you know, Morgan, people like Adam, that we, we ended up having, still being in, in that Premier League. There's certainly the foundations of the, the club getting in there. Fantastic. Um, so you talk about those games and of course Southampton um, 
pushing through and pushing on and, and doing well. Um, I know we're going to get on to a little bit later, but is that something that you feel the club now is really pushing with is youth players? Because there's, I know there's a there's a big push almost away from it post COVID, of may or maybe a push towards it of youth players, but it feels like people are trusting just the just the adults now. They're not playing the kids as much. Now, I, I think um, there was a there was a bit of a transition period. So uh, we got in the Premier League, and our youth system, which is you know well documented, it's quite famous around the world, and a lot of that is self-promotion as well you know we're, we're letting people hear about our young players um and then obviously we're obviously a club that also sell our young players and i think we then arrived to a point where we had achieved so much and we're finishing sixth seventh in the league we actually finished fifth in the league and man united had a game to play after the season finished because of uh, they had a bomb scare at the stadium and the game got called off and got played at the end of the season, like after the season finished, like played on the Tuesday night when everybody played on a Sunday. So actually when the league finished, we finished fifth in the Premier League and then they played and went above us and finished, we ended up finishing sixth. But the um, we finished sixth and seventh with obviously Ronald Koeman as, as manager. Um, and whilst Ronald was in charge, there was a feeling of, well, what, stage can we get to next how far can we go can we now actually fix ourselves cement ourselves as a top six club when you think about actually what you're saying there you know the teams that are in that top six um compared you know the investment that they've had uh, the history they've got say that southampton's a top six side um you know it, it's kind of fairyland talk in terms of resources but you know, at that time we believed it, and I think there was a little period at that time when we started. We invested kind of in fifteen to twenty million pound players, which something we hadn't done before. And I think that was the if you get those wrong, those players wrong, you find out pretty quickly that uh, you know if you don't finish in the top ten in the Premier League. You know, budgets aren't met and all of a sudden there's a financial difficulties. And if you haven't got a club owner that's got bottomless pit of money, um, it puts a bit of strain financially on the club. And we then, two or three seasons after that, we're then reverting back to, OK, let's go back to what we do at Southampton. And that is try to look out and scout the very best young players. We add them into our system early. We coach them how we play football and we have a manager in place that will play young players and is not afraid to play uh, a player with potential. And that's certainly what we've got in charge now in, in Ralph. And um, I think we've had during this COVID period and uh, an unprecedented amount of um, debuts all from our academy. I mean, we, we speak about looking to 50% of our academy um, in the first team. And I think we've achieved that a couple of times uh, this season, which it, it, when you talk about the Premier League, you know, and you talk about the numbers that it costs to, to pay players and to run a Premier League club, to get fifty percent of your um, starting eleven from from scholarship from your from your academy is is pretty pretty unreal, to be honest. Um, but you know, it doesn't always go right, and uh, you know, we found out that as well this season that uh, you know you need quality as well. But it's a, it's an unprecedented season, and you know no one's yeah. experienced what we're experiencing at the moment. It's not uh, 
the landscape changes almost day to day. I mean, believe it or not, my, my son plays, um, he's a little right back. He plays for the academy and uh, you know, he's been offered his scholarship for next season. And we both went into training this morning. Um, he had a positive test. But we're, we're both at home today because um, he had a, a positive COVID test. So again, you know, in terms of every Premier League club and every football team having to deal with that situation, it's unprecedented and it's not... Um, it can give people opportunities that maybe wouldn't have had them in other times. But the fact that we've got those players in the system and we're prepared to play them, we, we, we keep doing what we do at Southampton. And uh, up until now, it's, it's been pretty successful. And, and how, old, how old is your son, Kel? 15. Oh, yeah. 15. Yeah, he's a bit of a Julian James. <laughs> <laughs> is he? I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know if you spoke to him. Have you spoke to him about it? I mean, does do you think he feels pressure? Because he, you mean, you played a major debut when you were 17. Is, it, is there a lot of pressure on him? I mean, I don't, again, I'm just guessing. Knowing how I knew you, I don't think you'd put pressure on him. But, I mean, do you think him as a person, as a personality, his personality, he might feel... Oh, Dad played when he was 17. I don't know. I've got to, like, really bring it to the table here. To be honest, mate, I, I try not to put pressure on him. It, I've said he needs to be in the next World Cup. You know, I, I don't think... Yeah. Well, the way COVID is, who the hell knows when that's going to be? <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. But now, he's... Um, I'd, I'd like to think he doesn't feel any pressure. Um, you know, we, we obviously... You know, we're obviously close and we talk about a lot of things. And, you know, I think having the experiences that we've got as ex-players, Marv, you, mm. I'd like to think you see a few of the pitfalls and you you try to uh, educate him and uh, point him in the right direction. But, you know, it's, it's the old saying, you, you can only lead a horse to water, can't you? You try yeah. and give him everything that, uh, everything that you can and you try to, you know, coach him and, and help him. But ultimately, you know, when he goes out and he goes for a run, He's going on his own, you know. He's he's right. putting a training on himself, and he's he's going out and getting himself you know, as fit as he can because he's got that inner drive to do it. Um, and I think you know I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned whether he you know plays in the Premier League or, or plays in in League Two. You know, I would just love him to to have a football career. That's the conversation we've had. Is get out there playing someone's first team and go and enjoy it. And if you get 10, 15 years as a professional football and we, you know we know it's a it's a fantastic life Excellent. fantastic fantastic so moving on to strikers okay um bit of a bit of a curveball um because I, I i did text me dad and, and text me father-in-law just to for them to give me their opinions on on teams um and thorpe thorpe didn't make it um i listened to a bit of, a bit of thorpe's uh first sort of 40 minutes when i just did my 10k well, five, five k, but uh, <laughs> so you listen I, uh, to Thorpey's self promotion. <laughs> yeah, listen to how good Thorpey was. I forgot how good he was, to be honest. It was, uh, <laughs> it, was uh, it did make me smile. It, it is. I know we've mentioned it, Mark, but uh, you know when you hear the old voices and you you listen to the stories, everything comes flooding back. And you know, so I'm sitting in now in my forties, thinking, Penel, where did where did that go? Where did that go? But. I think you know, even my whole time when I look back at my YTS years at um, at, uh, at Luton, you know, I just think we laughed every day. I enjoyed every minute of it. It was just the the, the um, 
it was literally, it was like the fun camp every single day. There was something happening every day, even, you know, doing your jobs, getting to the end of, end of the day and having a, you know, a fight in the dark in the boot room was, was just <laughs> The strange thing is, Gelb, is that, I mean, I'm similar. I mean, I mean, I was a, a, a lot um, long earlier before you as an apprentice, but your group, right, was the first group in my entire career what came on well, I, it reminded me of my group. This is how you were with each other and just the, the, the laugh and the giggles. And, and even to the extent when you lot did that, um, I'm still thinking about it now on laugh, the Christmas play when you took the piss out of everyone and acted like yeah. someone was Wayne, someone, <laughs> someone was um, Lenny. Do you know what I mean? It was just brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. The ultrasound, wasn't it? We had the, uh, the ultrasound machine on and everything. It yeah. was, there was, um, it was, Great. Just, time. Yeah, just, just tell Andrew, Andrew, just quickly, just tell Andrew what you did as, as a group of apprentices. Like, who's in this apprentice year? Who was in this this year? Former Karen. Yeah, you got Macca, Stuart Douglas, Sean Evers. Um, then you got Danny Power, who who sort of had a year pro but didn't go on and so he played non league for a bit. Gary Simpson, Gary Issop. Yeah. So you had um, local Sam Turner. All, all I mean, yeah. there was. I'll give you a, a one sort of slight insight before you tell your story, Mark. I mean, got to the end of that first year, and fourteen of us went to Tenerife one holiday. I mean, you don't even get that now. You know, you obviously you get it less now, obviously. But like to get to the end of the season, and fourteen scholars had all paid their twenty quid a week to me, and, and I'd paid the holiday, and we basically just saved up our expenses money where you you know pick a ticket up off the floor didn't you at the train station jump the train get your get your 10 pound expenses get duty to give you a run around for two pound for the week in the back of his mini and you was 18 quid up was uh plus your 30 was, that, was that how many there was of you like got taken on 14 no no we didn't all get taken on that was our first year yts so right. we've done our sort of scholarship then our first year as yts and then we went away, 14 of us. And then I think there was like 12 or 13 or, you know, good over 10 of us went the following year. And then obviously right. after that, it got a bit fragmented. But obviously I, I still speak to Maka, Isop. Um, I don't speak to Simon or Danny so much, but you know, if I pick the phone up, yeah. you know, they're answering, you know, that's how it yeah, is. So they had, so they, so basically, Andrew, they had um, all these, well, these players, these apprentices, and at Christmas... It was a case, well, it used to be, I mean, obviously it got stopped when they had to sing Christmas carols. And it was like a case of, when I, I mean, I even did it, you know, where you just got a broom and a pair of wet and boots and a pencil wrapped around you know what, and that's it, basically. As I mean, as was, but as things went on and like, you know, health and safety and obviously um, like abuse and stuff like that sort of thing, which it wasn't, I mean, because I did it, I mean, at the time it wasn't meant that way, but I can see where people are coming from if it was like received that way. So these lads decided like, because they couldn't do that, to do a play. They did their own version of a, was it a day at Luton Town or something like that, was it? Again, or a week? I want to remember more of it. That's why I want you to tell the story because I, but, I can kind so, of remember being upstairs and right. in the in the suite doing it, and I can remember it going down like a storm and everyone really enjoying it. But I can only remember a couple of little quips from it. One being um, uh, Clive Goodyear, wasn't it the physio? Because yeah. everything everything was Clive or well, ultrasound. Like what's this? <laughs> I've got to 
this yeah. is sort of, yeah. yeah. I'll, so, I'll so basically the there, that's what, so everything, everything what, like, how it happens, basically, at, at the club, like, it was, he said, Clyde was, got the ultrasound on, on certain things, and, and Wayne Turner was the first team coach, and he it's had so these, like, yeah, Isop had him as, a, but he had these big like like arm things in his in his sleeve and walking around like Wayne because Wayne was like always like like the tough hard man sort of thing. And then you had Lenny there. Who was Lenny again? Someone had a wig on, didn't they? Lenny. But they were but they were talk, but they actually talked like. Pleat. I think it was. I think it was David Pleat at the time. Was it? If I was a scholar, yeah. If I was a scholar, hey, well, yeah, you'll be right. Well, actually, you'll be right. Would it have been Wayne if um, would Wayne have been there when Lenny was when Lenny was did Wayne was Wayne already there when Lenny came in? I think so. Yes. Yeah. So I think I think um, yeah I think David Bleak was still manager. So basically, they acted out a day or a week of training and had some of the players and had like the physio going, yeah, get that ultra get ultrasound on that. And as pros watching it. It literally was. They were playing the role so spot on. It was yeah. fantastic. Comedy, comedy sketch with a few Christmas carols in there, and yeah, you know, it was uh, fantastic. Yeah, you couldn't, um, from an experience growing up, you couldn't have had a better experience. Fantastic, fantastic. Sorry, we digress, listeners. Yeah, let's get back to the centre forwards, strikers, uh, strikers, strikers. Okay, uh, as I said, it was. It's not Thorpey. It's not Dwight Marshall. Great, great lad. Actually, I remember really enjoyed playing with him. Um, not Stuart Douglas. Um, so we are... The fastest player I've ever seen play for Luton, he is, honestly. He was so quick. Or have I just got a really bad memory? No, no, he was well, quick. Well, he just wasn't very good with the ball. <laughs> so, we've got... Um, True. The club. club. The club. The club was... Uh, we're at Ipswich. Oh. Put yourself there. Marcus Stewart. I was going to say that. No, Marcus Stewart left the season I arrived. Um, so it was a, again, a young lad. He'd come through their academy, but he was a guy, I think he scored, he scored an amazing amount of goals. So he was, I was at Ipswich two years and he left the same year as I did. I left to go to Sunderland. He left to go to Charlton. He went for quite a lot of money then. Um, was this, England. doesn't say. Again? England international. Very, very quick. Oh, um, Ben. Which one? Oh, come off it. Darren. What do you say? Correct. Darren Ben. Darren Ben. Ben, yeah. Ben, yeah. Such, uh, such a talented, such a talented striker. Scored, I think he scored 40 goals in those two seasons. Um, him and uh, Shefki Kuchi up front, the flying fin. Um, fan- fantastic uh, player. And again, you know, without... Being harsh on him, underachieved, I think. And when he left us, well, we left at the same time, but when he left and went to Charlton, he landed in the Premier League and first game of the season, it was Sunderland versus Charlton and uh, he banged a couple past me. But he was, um, he when I spoke about uh, players that would always stay behind and do a little bit extra and I talk about my little Thursday afternoon club, he, uh, he was one of those that was always up for a bit of finishing. And, you know, a, a player, Marv, that can strike the ball so well that you actually hear the ball whistle. It was like yeah. he, he, he had that ability to hit a ball that cleanly. Um, and he very precise, worked hard on his game. Um, and, you know, ended up obviously playing for Tottenham um, and having a fantastic career. But I do think that he had the ability to be up there as yeah. one of the best strikers in the Premier League. And you know, I've never had a conversation with him about it. 
but I think he would probably agree. I, I don't think, you know, when we talk about someone like Graham Alexander that, that got absolutely mm. everything out of his body and out of his career, and I don't think Bentley did. Um, and it, obviously, it sounds like criticism. I'm trying to criticize. No, I know what you mean. I, I think that it's, it's, it's almost uh, my admiration for, for the quality that he had. It's good in the air, channels, he'd come to feet. You know, his goal record at uh, probably I haven't looked at his goal record since Ipswich, but uh, I, I bet he scored a few goals. So, no, cracking, cracking player. And, I, you know, again, you know, I played with David Connolly at, uh, at Wimbledon and at Southampton. I played with um, Neil Shipley as a, a bit of a target striker at, at Wimbledon. Um, you know, played with some, some good players, and, but he's certainly up there as you know, he, he played for England and probably should have. Yeah, definitely. No, I definitely agree with you. So the other side, next to yeah. Darren Bent. Next to Darren Bent. Um, again, you know, this 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 guy um, came to to us from Bristol Rovers. Um, oh, I had a preemptive guess. And Marcus it's totally Jones. gone now. Oh, good. So uh, I won't tear the club about that. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you, Mark. I'm going to okay. do this now, all right? Well, I do the, well, I'm, I, well, I'm getting his. I'm getting his last guest, Marcus Stewart. No, so uh, he came from Bristol Rovers. He'd had mm. a lower league career up until he was 25, I think, before he came to us. Um, and then he ended up uh, scoring an amazing amount of goals, and ended up playing for England. Which it, it's almost. Uh, Fine. It's almost. Uh, <laughs> what did you say? Fine. <laughs> it's, uh, that's the club doc hopefully telling me I'm uh, I'm free of COVID. Oh. Um, he scored. He played for England and scored a yeah. remarkable load of goals. Before while he was with us, he scored uh, on his debut for England. Um, he scored a lot of free kicks. Oh, no, for um, us. He scored a lot of free kicks for us. Um, I'm gonna say about. It. I'm just I'm thinking did, the likes he of... He left Southampton to go to Liverpool. I think like he, he started off at Bri- Bristol Rovers. He came to us from Bristol Rovers. Oh, I know. He's at about... He's at about um, what's his name? Yeah, yeah. He used to play midfield. Um, um, oh, yeah. Well, he, he kind of did, yeah. Yeah, he used to play midfield as well. Big, tall, like, blonde lad. Go on, Mark. Say his name. Say his name. That was, I mean, gosh, I've got it. Um, Lambert. You well done, Marv. How did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> You're rhyming it to me. Lambert. Lambert. Yeah. Ricky Lambert. Ricky um, Lambert. I did in my head. I was good at free kicks. I remember going to watch Luton down at um some, down at Southampton. He knocks out the FA Cup with a free kick. Yeah, you're right. He scored against me at Bristol Rovers in the FA Cup with a free kick. He um he by the time he came to us, it was almost like he knew this was his one chance. He knew that he'd played lower level. He always felt he could play higher himself. He was Southampton being a relatively big club, signed a lot of players that were at that level, best at that level, which is back to a lot of money for him. To be totally honest, I hadn't heard of him. I literally hadn't heard of him. Um, and I was captain at the time. Sort of hard, uh, called me into the office and said, uh, this is Ricky, he's our new striker. Go and introduce him to the boys. And there was like a... Uh, a little minute where we walked from his office to to the dressing room, and uh, I kind of I felt like I should know him, and I, I, it was it was just dropped on me, you know, like this is Ricky. So I'm walking along, and then I'm introducing to the lads. Oh, Ricky, you're right. And I'm like, you know, 
lads all knew who he was. Yeah, I not probably I hadn't played in League One for a long time, so it was almost like you know I hadn't taken off the ball from that level. But he came in, and from the first training session to his first game, just so showed so much hunger and desire to to make it work. And it was almost like he knew that this was his big chance. And he literally, um, you know, I speak to him now. <laughs> He's the sort of guy that, you know, would have Kentucky fried chicken for breakfast. You know, it, it was just, well, that's, I'm going past Kentucky. I'm, I'm on the way to training. I'll, I'll stop and get a little bucket before training. And that was just his makeup. You know, that was kind of how his career had gone. You know, he played in the lower leagues and that was accepted. And it was the first sort of club we came to where we was a bit more heavier on sports science, on pre-activation, Mark. Bit of uh, a bit more. Say that word. Uh, Say that word. Bit, bit more sports sciencey, if you like. And he changed physically. He changed um, mentally as well. Really hungry. Really des- a real desire. And success came. Once success came, he wanted more and more and more. Um, to be honest. For him to end up, I mean, I went to watch uh, England versus Scotland where he made his debut. He came on sub, and I don't know whether it was his first touch, but he scored with a header. I don't even remember it. In swinging ball, big header at the back post, uh, sort of middle of the go, actually. Um, and it was just a great moment. You know, when you, you've seen a guy put so much effort in and kind of fit in as he did and show that determination to end up you know, scoring for... Um, scoring for England uh, it was it was pretty you know it was a pretty nice experience for for me and the only the only downside is a, a, a lad called uh, Dan Hardin who uh, I'm still good friends with um, he said don't worry Kel I'll sort the tickets out I said no that's no, fine mate I'll, I'll speak to my agent I'll, uh, I'll get us some tickets we, we'll watch the game he went, it's fine fine I've got it sorted out so we arrive in the Scotland end so uh, I've gone to see my mate <laughs> I've gone to see my mate on his debut he scored the winner to make it 3-2, and I've got to sit in hand. I'm like... <laughs> what, was your mate Scottish or English? No, English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he'd he free ticket, and we're sitting in the tent. So, uh, it was... Um, yeah, we still enjoyed it. It was uh, a great experience. But uh, he, he did everything. And then got his, obviously, his move to um, Liverpool, which Liverpool. was uh, his boyhood club. He couldn't turn that down. I remember he, he rang me when I was away in, in Spain on holiday and uh, he said, oh, I need to tell you something, I'm going to Liverpool. And I can remember, like, I didn't really speak. I went, right, OK. And he went, Finel, he, he swore at me and then hung up. Hung the phone up. And it, the thing was, he... he I was gutted because I was. It was obviously amazing for him, but yeah. I, I thought I was losing a really good mate, and I was like, and I shouldn't have felt gutted, but I did. Anyway, I, I sat down on the sofa, then the phone rang straight back, and he rang up. He went, "Kel, I'm, I'm sorry, mate. I, I just realised why you're why you're not so excited for me, like that." And that, that that was the guy. He's a real kind of deep emotional guy, um, and it was just uh, for him. To have his career and finish, obviously, what happened after Liverpool is kind of not really part of his career because I just think that he should have either finished at Southampton. He, um, it was the perfect example. It's never too late. You, know, you stand the right path, you get yourself in. Anything can happen. He certainly he probably goes to bed at night, still imagine his Liverpool goals and putting on that Liverpool. Though he wouldn't. Kentucky. <laughs> 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 
That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, so you picked your team. Final question is from myself is which manager yeah. is the best manager or coach you've ever worked under and therefore who would manage this team? Manage this team. Okay. I, uh, I've been quite fortunate. Um, you know, I've had some really good managers, but I think the, the standout is Pochettino. A very, really, he's a, he's a talented person, very intelligent, um, emotion really, really pushed on, really, uh, really wants to connect with people around him. He doesn't just see himself as a football manager. Um, I think he, he, he is more of a life coach. I think he, 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 he genuinely, genuinely cares about you as a human being. I think, um, I think anyone that's in his company is infectious. You can't help but find something interesting about him. And uh, obviously, after that, he's a, he's a fantastic football coach as well, you know. Absolutely knows how he wants to play the game. Sees the, the pitch as almost a sacred place. You know, it's, um, you can feel his energy, absolute commitment, hard work. And I think that was the one thing that stood out with all the managers I'd had and had some good managers, you know, I think he was a uh, kind of a foreign manager that also had a lot of English traits about him. Um, but then also had that level above. And I think that's, that's shown through with, with what he's done at, did at Tottenham. I'm sure what he'll go on and do in the rest of his career. Yeah. I mean, you look, you say about Southampton bringing through players, but you look at the managers and, Southampton's ex-managers are now in charge of PSG and Barca. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, <laughs> you're looking I mean, from a manager's perspective as well as a player. You guys are smashing yeah, it. Well, I genuinely um, feel privileged to, 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 to work with all, all managers. I think, you know, Marv, now you say about being the other side of the fence, um, yeah. it's, it's not an easy job. It's a very, very difficult job. Um, but you got you got to love it. You've got it's got to be everything. Otherwise, it's it's not it's not the right um, environment to be in. In my um, and certainly Ronald Poch, Nigel Atkins. You know, go through all my you know, Joe Royal at, at um, Ipswich, uh, Mick McCarthy at, at Sunderland. Obviously, my loop managers, Pleaty and, and Lenny, and you, all those guys. It's their everything. You know, They're, that's that's what they live to do, and that's uh, I think that's kind of. Sort of stage one and then after that the, the quality of uh, you talk about Ronald Koeman just a world the name Ronald Koeman is football yeah. isn't it, it it's a it's a it's a world renowned name you know you can't say Ronald Koeman and not think about football not think about you know the goal he scored against England and you know he um and he carries that well you know he, he what, um, what would I mean I don't I mean I don't want you I know you're not going to kill him and slaughter him not it's not in that way I'm asking the question you know I mean the Dutch come across being very like, like, I mean, not very like interactive, quite abrupt sometimes in the way how they spoke to me. I mean, I heard that about Van Gaal. I've, I've, met, I've met, um, you know, I've played with a, a couple of Dutch guys. Um, I would say, you know, arrogance or confidence, whichever way you, you know, you want to, you want to look at it. Um, but I wouldn't put, I'd put um, Ronald in a, a kind of a bracket that, you know, I think he found playing so easy yeah. that, that he would explain something and it would frustrate him that other players wouldn't be able to do it. Um, and I think that's why he probably wasn't as successful 
um, before he got to Southampton. He was, you know, he had a half decent career. I think he was at the Test Van Arnhem, was it? And and um, I think he, he did um, he did a Spanish club as well. I think he did Valencia as well. Yeah, and then so. yeah, and then came to us. Um, and he arrived with players of quality and that could play at that level that he wanted. And then his charisma and um, his will to win, you know, match days just turned up. You know that those coaches and managers that on a match day just, you know, you just felt it. Didn't say anything else, didn't, but you just felt it in his aura and in his manner. It was right game day today you know, everyone be on it and you know you you mentioned fines there with my uh, phone going off you know he was super hot on all of that um you know you're late for a meeting you don't play it was it was simple you know i played with sadio mane at uh, southampton and he was late for the for a game um and we knew what that meant as the team we we knew yeah that meant not going to play him. and I, I was captain at the time and I kind of caught him at that little period of just when he realised that he's late he's going to have to make the decision um, he didn't really want to you could see it in his face didn't want to and I kind of said coach look the lads will be fine you know if you're allowed him to play you know don't, don't feel that the lads are going to be questioning your decision <laughs> and trying to urge him you know just, just nudge him in, in the direction that the lads wanted and uh, he just turned. He said, he literally said, "I, I can't." I, it, it was a, he was that strict with his rules. Yeah. It, I mean, he came on at half time, by the way, Sadio. It, you know, <laughs> it literally was. Like, it, you know, I've given him his medicine. Right, get him on the pitch. Um, and he's, uh, she's no Sadio's top, top, top player. Um, but I didn't play enough no, with him. No, not good enough for your team, though. Well, I, I didn't play enough with him. That was the problem, Andrew. Yeah, that's, that's good. I, I like that. I like that, Gelf. That's good. You didn't play he enough with enough him. enough in training, that's for sure. Um, and he's a kid. He's a great lad. And I think he'll I think he'll move on from Liverpool. I think he'll end up... Rail or Barca or... Yeah. He, I, yeah. I spoke to him um, when he was at uh, Southampton. He expressed his desire to win the Ballon d'Or. And I was kind of like, really? But... Again, you know, you look at what he's doing at Liverpool. He's got that determination. He's got that goal. He, he wants to go and do it. And who's to say it's not going to happen? We know that in football that anything's possible. Once the big two retire, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, that's it. Definitely. That's brilliant. But listen, I've got one more question. I mean, I, I, can't, I don't know what this could, this could be for you, actually, because, I mean, I asked it to all the ex-Luton players. Um, I don't know if you were there that long if you got into the team when you were 17. What is your most memorable Luton game and why? That's actually an easy one. Well, there's two, Mark. But, um, oh, he goes, oh, it's easy, but now he's got this too. See, it's no, not easy then. No, but it's it's easy because there's kind of a negative and a positive in, in terms of, um, I can remember my, well, I can give you three. I can remember my worst day. You've asked for one, I'll give you three. But I'll finish with the, from the worst of the best. Obviously, the worst day was when we lost four to uh, that team down the road. That uh, yeah. We had a real weakened team that day. And uh, I got absolutely roasted by Wayne at half time. Uh, proper, he proper came at me. I don't Did think I play, play that game. Did I yeah, play I that game? No, I think you were injured. Steve Davis was injured. Greza was injured. Dave yeah. Oldfield was injured. Um, and we had, we had a real makeshift. Alan White was making his debut, centre-half. Macca played midfield, yeah. Um, I think Sean Evers played right back. 
you mean? It was a proper makeshift. It was like it was the perfect storm for them, you know. And right. uh, I can remember we we went one nil down with a deflected free kick that went through the wall. And uh, at half time, Wayne gave me both barrels, and I I I gave it back to him, um, and I walked out the dressing room. So I literally half time, I walked out the dressing room, and uh, Lenny, to be fair, called me back in. Come on, come back in, come back in. And uh, I told him to go down the road as well. It was probably a mistake, but I've got a bit of my dad's temper, so it kind of... When you, I was going to say, when your head goes, it goes. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and it was one of those moments. So uh, that, that, um, that was an interesting week because uh, Lenny, Lenny pulled me in on the Friday and into the little dress room opposite, the first team dress room. Yeah. And you know he used to speak. Yeah, Kelvin, sit down. Because uh, because I've I've tried all week to get another goalkeeper in and I can't get one. So you're going to play tomorrow. That that is a god's issue. That's that's what he said to me. That's what he said to me. And we had Plymouth at home the next day, and uh, we won three nil. And I think Thorpey I think Thorpey scored a hat trick. Right, Thorpey scored a hat trick, but I got man of the match. So I had a I obviously had a really good game. Right. I made I I think I probably made the, one of the best saves I've ever made in my career. And uh, so that really sticks with me because it was the big turning point for me with Lenny and in probably my Luton career sort of kick-started me. Sort of right. Me, sort of yeah, for a keeper to get man of the match and win 3-0, that says something. It says everything. Yeah, it was... And you, uh, are you not what? You're not going to turn... Andrew, there was so much on the game for me because I was under so much pressure. The conversation, the fact that I told the assistant coach and the manager to do one the week before I was kind of thinking I'm, I'm not playing again here and um, it was fortunate if you like that I managed to get the game then I've, I've got to hear about I've got to hear about this save though one of the greatest because as a goalkeeper I mean I want to hear about this save because I mean it must have been some it must have been some save to be fair because you know, listen goalkeepers are made, uh, listen it's your job it's your job like to try and keep the ball at the net like I mean I, Everyone knows that. But for you as a goalkeeper just to say, oh, look, it was one of my... Because everyone knows about the David Seaman one with, um, you know, when he pulls it out, the, no, sort of yeah. draws it from um, Pescalino, was it, the header? Yeah, Pescalino, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. This, this, I want to hear about this one. To be honest, it, I don't know whether it was that good a save or not. It oh. was just... It was what it meant, Mark. Do you know what I mean? It was... Okay. It was nil-nil at the time. Um, you know, everything had gone on the week before. The fans were... Uh, were a little bit on my case um, from the week before as well, and it was a it was a point blank range. It was a pullback. He's hit it well down to my left hand. I just threw my left hand out, and it, it came off the middle of my hand. I went round the post, and I can remember getting that feeling that you get when you make a, a good save. And I just knew instantly it was a it was a really really good save. And I I as I say, we then went on and won the game, and uh, you know I ended up staying in the team and playing on from there but that still only gets number two Mark that, that's number two number one it's uh, home debut um, obviously family were all there and it was against the, that team down the road I'd obviously played the year before made my debut away at uh, Victoria Stadium at, for again Stoke wasn't it yeah uh, and then Remember, Jurgen went away on a went to America for international. That's right. Trip. Yeah, yeah, and so I played, and it was obviously against Watford. So um, I managed to uh, I managed to give the penalty away, 
and then saved the penalty. So I we ended up drawing one all. Um, but I saved the penalty on my on my home debut. So it was nice, and obviously I had a, a mate behind the goal that I can remember being a Watford fan to school with. And I remember as I turned, like setting up against the penalty, I was obviously thinking I've just hit the penalty, and I could just see him like caught eyes with him in, in the stand. <laughs> I, thinking, I didn't dive his way I went the other way and it uh, my right paw on it round the post and yeah it was a that that was a, a big moment mm. well the nice moment as well is you know the um, the the family enclosure to the as you come out of the tunnel Mark, on the left hand side yeah. all the lads used to sit there didn't they so all the YTs yeah. and that so as I was coming off the pit all the lads were kind of still sitting there waiting just and, you know, that shows you we had a we had a really good. Uh, no, it does. Whoever is a good group. There. Oh, definitely, fantastic, fantastic. So we'll bring to an end. Um, that was um, Kelvin Davis, and thank you so much for your time, Kelvin. We really appreciate it, Marvin and I. And that was uh, Kelvin Davis's my best eleven. <laughs> <laughs>